0: Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest
1: gospel worldview. Let's get it. What's up, Chad? Welcome back.
0: Yeah, thanks. <laughs> well, this mic's about to fall over. Um, what I miss,
1: man? How's Mandeville? Good, same as always. I was in Chattanooga. I know you were at the New Year's conference. How'd it go? It was insane. <laughs> New Year's conference. Early. I didn't sleep much. Yeah.
0: Um, college students, you know they they like to stay up late. Mm-hmm. You know, and there were no booze involved. <laughs> no. I told them and that's why i say this now like i never stayed up this late you know without booze involved so, <laughs> this is cool and it really is it's like you guys can do it too <laughs> right when you go back you don't have to go party just right. play signs that's that was the hit game this game called signs oh really
1: i loved it there's always something
0: anyways we had some great speakers we had some great like breakout sessions and just tons of time to have you know good conversations with students mm-hmm. and uh I think it was an impactful it was definitely impactful for me personally as the leader. Yeah. So I know um definitely it was impactful for a lot of students that came. So That's awesome. I'm excited about how it translates to the semester. We're going to take this this group and start doing some growth groups with them and um we're excited to see where it goes. That's great. You
1: know? I know times like that are crazy, but they're great for building camaraderie and they're great for um just planting seeds. Right. You know, you'll see what comes from this weekend over the semester. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but man, it's awesome. 40 students. I mean, that's a huge answer to prayer. And yep. praying and excited to see what God does with it, man. Yep. Yep. That's yep. great. Um, so today we're going to
0: continue in our spiritual maturity. Um, we're we're talking about lordship, mm-hmm. and so I think the way we could start this off is just a statement mm-hmm. that lordship. Is essentially the mandate uh, f- for every Christian yeah. that we would come under the lordship of Christ. We would we would be slaves to Christ. Yeah. This is not like a different tier of Christian. Mm-hmm. As if one Christian can be saved and just kind of be lukewarm, and the next Christian will be effective, you know, mm. more effective for the kingdom because he's made Christ his Lord. But this is, you know, a mandate to be right. a Christian, to be a follower, to not be the one that Jesus says, um, mm. behold, I never knew you.
1: Yeah, it's a, as you said, it's a mandate. It's a, it's a essential quality of salvific essential. faith. Essential, yeah, yeah, better word. Um, because in in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that's part of that, right? You confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. Right. And so. That aspect of Lord has to be there at the point of salvation. You see that in the cost of discipleship in Luke 14, where Christ talks about where you can't have, you know, love your mother, brother, you know, father, anyone, even your own life. Right. Right. You have to hate them. Mm -hmm. Um, and what that means is to love less there in that situation. And so, um, so when you come into faith, you have to first rightly understand Who God is and especially who Christ is, right? You can't, but you can't understand who Christ is without understanding rightly who God is Mm because Christ is truly God and truly man. And in that process, it is a dying to self. It is when you put your faith in Christ, you're, if you're doing it right, um, which we can debate some of that in a moment, but if you're truly putting your faith in Christ, what you're saying at that moment, is that I am leaving my life behind and my control and my lordship of my own life behind. I'm repenting of that. Mm-hmm. And I am submitting humbly before Christ and believing in the person of Christ, the work of Christ, and trusting in him as my Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. And I usually ask people when I share the gospel, what do they think Lord means? So we'll play we'll play that out. What's, what's Lord mean when I say that to you, Josh? If someone's your you want, lord, you only speak as someone yeah, Who doesn't just, know the answer? Or, <laughs> yeah, just because I know it. Just in general. Right? Well, you just you hear the
0: word lord, and I've asked this question a lot too. So a lot of the answers I get mm-hmm. is someone that's in charge. Yeah, someone that's in control.
1: Yeah, the way I say it is if I, if I'm your lord and I tell you to do something, what do you do? You got to do it. Right. That's that's essentially kind of what lordship looks like, right? Because you're superior, you're supreme. You say it. If you're my lord. I don't even. I don't even question. I just do it. Right.
0: which I'm sure you're like, butting up against a ton of rebellion right now. Oh yeah.
1: People in our culture don't like that. Right. Because we live in an individualized society. Right. But without that faith in Christ and that understanding and desire to make Christ that Lord that you serve, as Paul would say, we are slaves to Christ in mm-hmm. that way. If you don't want that, then you're not saved. Right. And you can't be saved. So I understand if this is grating. If this is grating in your. Yeah, heart realize what that may be meaning about you exactly that that means that he's not lord i think
0: on the other side though you got people that will rightly say jesus take the wheel (laughs) like we even have a secular song that says jesus take the wheel and it's like you know a a number one hit at least it was so i think you got another group of people that are quick to say yeah i want i want god in control Mm but they don't put it into practice. They don't study God's word and conform their lives to God's word. If you're his Lord, you need to know what he tells you to do. And the only place he tells you to do that is in scripture. And so you need to know scripture. You need to be sitting under the preached word Mm -hmm. of God, and you need to be reading it for yourself and understanding it to see what your Lord would have you do.
1: Right. Exactly. Most people, when they say Jesus take the will, they just mean when I feel like I'm out of control and I'm desperate, then I'll try. I'll cry for help and I'll cry for help. But if I don't feel like I need help, then I then I got it. That's not lordship. Yeah, that's false. That's false humility. That's false uh, conversion, probably, possibly. Right. Uh, if that's your attitude. So it's just something that you should examine. But in order to do that, like you said, we have to understand first who Christ is, who God is. Hebrews is a great book for this because in Hebrews, this, this letter was written about sixty-seven A.D. Ish. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay, Chad? I've been studying, huh? Yeah, yeah.
0: Wow, yeah, yeah. This guy got him a new commentary or something. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> You're like March of sixty-seven. <laughs> it was a cool spring hey. day in Jerusalem.
1: What's that? Uh, who wrote it? Let's, let's. What's it? Well, we don't know. A lot of debate, and and who do you think wrote it? Well. There's really not any evidence for any particular person. A lot of people thought Paul did, but there is there are some contradictory things in it that would suggest otherwise. Because in, contradictory uh, to Paul writing it, to, not, to Paul writing it, uh, not that not to the it being scripture, but right, that right, Paul would be the author. Because gotta, gotta keep you right here. Because in chapter two, it talks about have heard hearing of Christ from other witnesses, but Paul met Christ on the road to Damascus, so that wouldn't line up. With yeah. how Paul met Christ. So, mm-hmm. some people think Barnabas, some people think, um, one of the other ones I saw, some people thought, uh, Aquila, um, Priscilla and Aquila could be. What about possibly? James. No, Luke was one, not James. I think James wrote it. James wasn't one of the ones that has been debated. Um, well, there's a couple others. Them but list. anyway, point is, it, what we do know is the Holy Spirit wrote it through. There you go. Someone. But. That is true right there. It <laughs> was written to, Jewish Christians at the time, right? Yeah. And what was going on at that point in time was a lot of great persecution around that time. At the end of Hebrews, we see Timothy, the writer, speaking of Timothy coming out of prison. And so that with with some other things is why they think it's the 62 to 67 AD, which is right when there's a lot of great persecution upon mm-hmm. the Jews. And so we see that there. And what was going on, because of the persecution, one of the things that some of the Jewish Messianic Christians started to do to take a little bit of the persecution off of them is they started to to take away the deity of Christ and started to see him and kind of call him like another angel. They started to change who his authority and some different things in order to take some of the heat off of them during that time. Not everybody, Mm -hmm. but some did. And that's why Hebrews 1 is all about Christ's supremacy. Better than the angels. Better than the angels. That's why that's there. It's because taking that false teaching out of that Mm -hmm. and reestablishing who Christ is. And all throughout the book of Hebrews, we see his supremacy. We see his supremacy as a priest. Mm -hmm. His supremacy over... Other antitypes like Moses and Joshua and Abraham. Yep. And so it's just, you see a lot of Jewish history where they're showing and proving how Christ was the fulfillment of those things. Some of Hebrews, Jesus is better. Exactly. So with all that being said, uh, I point you to Hebrews in order to understand the lordship of Christ, right? There's plenty of places in scripture where you can see the evidence of Christ's supremacy. But I just want to read Hebrews chapter 1 because... This, I mean, the whole point of this one is to show his supremacy even more than the angels, right? So the title of chapter one in my Bible is actually the supremacy of God's son. So long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let, let all God's angels worship him. If the angels, he sa- of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with oil of gladness beyond your companions. And, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So he gives a few different arguments there for the supremacy of Christ. Um, and we see all the different things that are true about Christ, that he's the fulfillment, that he he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, that the enemies are put under his feet, and so on and so forth. So in order to trust Christ as Lord Rightly. We have to see God and see Christ rightly based upon who He is. And every time we see the glory of God displayed, Moses in Exodus 34, well 33 and 34, when Moses asks for God to show His glory to him, and God does that, passes by Him, hides Him in a cleft, but tells Him, you can't look at my face because you can't look at my face and live. Mm-hmm. And He tells Him His character that He's the Lord that he is um uh his steadfast love endures forever. That passage I'm blanking on it right now. I have to look it up in a moment.
0: Come on, lamentations or are you still in the Exodus?
1: Exodus. It's said multiple times in the old testament, his yeah. character. But I'll just go ahead and find it so as to not confuse anyone. I was reading it earlier today. He says
0: Wow, you did you found that fast, bro?
1: And the Lord said uh let's see And I'll pass by. So this is in 34, verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Isaiah 6, when Isaiah goes before the throne and he sees and says, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, what does he do? I'm undone. Right? Like every time we see the clear character of God, the only response for us as humans is to be humbled Mm -hmm. and repent. That's what Lordship means, that he is superior. And if that is not your attitude, It means you don't understand who Christ is. It means you don't understand who God is. And it probably means you're not saved. Right. Um, What I'll say to that, that
0: um, I think reinforces this. Anytime I I hear Lordship, I go to Luke Hmm. 9.23. I'm going to just read it real quick. And then I want to give a little context. Um, He says, to all. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? (laughs) And then later on in the chapter, he he gives them more um, evidence for needing to make him Lord. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man is nowhere. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus... You got to be okay with being homeless, right? right, right. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you and you're going to put your hand to the plow. Essentially, mm-hmm. if you look back, you don't deserve the kingdom.
1: Yeah, this world cannot be what you live if, for. Yeah,
0: if you're going to wait to go bury your father, like the guy says, you're not fit for the kingdom. Now, all of this comes right after. Remember, Peter confesses the Christ. Mm-hmm. So Peter says in in uh, nine eighteen. Now, it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say, Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. Mm -hmm. Now, where this comes to us in the book of Luke is after nine chapters of seeing God's power revealed. Right. Just what you were saying. And so it's in response to this that first Peter says, you are the Christ of God. You are God, essentially. Mm -hmm. And then what's the the go-to right after that? Okay, well, this is what it means to be a follower of the Christ of God. So Jesus reveals himself to his disciples Mm -hmm. first or to the people first and then shows them the requirements of following him. So Jesus doesn't – maybe this is too strong of a statement, but – he doesn't exactly expect us to make him Lord out of ignorance, right? Like, it's like kind of the idea of blind faith. You shouldn't have blind faith. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't, like, it's not blind faith trusting in Christ. It's right. real. It's, like, it's, the, it's not a jump in the dark. right? <laughs> His promises are given to us in the word. We should be able to trust that right. it is. And
1: it he, says, he does well, reveal himself to us. But another statement I want to make along the lines of what you're saying, which is very true, He does reveal himself to us, but his character and his holiness and his righteousness have zero to do with you or your circumstances, and it has everything to do with who he is, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, for instance, take the cross. I like to use this moment because you see the full character of God displayed in one moment in history. Mm -hmm. On the cross, when Christ is hanging there, dying for our sins, we see God's wrath, being poured out on sin. Mm-hmm. We see his righteousness. Like God is righteous. Apart from anything happening in this world, he is righteous because he is righteous. Meaning, Which means he is the standard of what is right and good. Exactly, he's holy. He He has every right to wipe the face of this earth and save no one, and he would be right in doing so mm-hmm. because of who he is, right? He's fully good. But we also see his love, his mercy, and his grace. And and his providence and his sovereignty of of reading through the Old Testament to this moment on the cross, all these things are displayed in this one moment, right? That we can see, and we can see the deity of his son as he's resurrected three days later. In that moment of the cross and the resurrection, is why when we see that, it should cause us to be humbled and to follow him as Lord, because. It reveals to us the reality of God. It reveals to us the reality of eternity. It reveals to us what his wrath is and what's at stake. Because if, if you choose not to follow Christ and not accept him as Lord and Savior, as Romans 1.16 says, it's the power of God to save. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're choosing what the rest of Romans 1 talks about where God just gives you over to your sin and you're destined for wrath and hell and, a, and, a, you get what you want, a life apart from God forever. Right. Which is death, right? So, and I was telling a guy today in one of our counseling sessions, I said, and if you think about that, cause he agreed, I said, you know, is God righteous and is he just? Does he have the right to, to pour out his wrath on us? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, this guy's not a believer at this point, but we've been looking at scripture. And then I said, well, uh, did God make a way clearly that we can see that God himself would send his own son and all this stuff? Yeah, 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 I I get that. I said, well, then how much more do we deserve his wrath when we reject his son the Mm -hmm. one way he made? So what would you do if you did that? We're not God, but just imagine that you're in that position of God. Would you have sent your son, and what would you do when someone rejects him? Yeah. It's like, wake up, If you're going to go
0: to hell, go to hell from Africa, having never heard the name of Jesus before, rather than America, where it's, I mean, you turn a corner, and you're going to see the gospel. Right. It's amazing how people still miss it.
1: Well, it shows that God's got to be the one who opens their eyes and draws us. 100%. That's a different discussion, but... But right now what we're trying to do is display rightly the lordship, the supremacy of Christ. And I think I, I was listening to R.C. Sproul the other day, and I think he was making this. I think it was him, not MacArthur. I've listened to a couple different things, but I'm pretty sure it's R.C. Sproul. Where he talked about salvation is not from the peripheries of Christ, like his love, his, you know, like the things you get from Christ. Your faith is in the who christ is mm-hmm. his deity his lordship his like who he is as god like part of the trinity it's it's a belief in god and the wholeness and the fullness of who christ is that's what you're putting your faith in mm-hmm. and then you get the doctrine of imputation where or really double imputation where and at the point of the cross when you put, you put your faith in christ his righteousness is imputed or credited to you mm-hmm. and your sin and wrath is' in, is accredited to Christ taken from you right mm-hmm. all based upon Christ not based upon you or your abilities to do anything right but when we see God rightly I've just been thinking about this lately and being more humbled myself your only response is humility and worship but it's what allows you to see and repentance and repentance yes. But it's what allows you to see grace, mercy. Mm -hmm. It's only through mercy. It's only through the cross that we receive the mercy. And and it's only when you understand your sin that you understand the amount of grace you've been given. You know where that leads is loving your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) Yeah. So now we just knocked
0: out the two biggest commandments. And if you can do those, Mm -hmm. then definitely you're going to, have Jesus as your Lord, if you're seeing God rightly and loving him rightly Mm -hmm. with all your heart, soul, strength, might, mind, that's going to lead to, because right now I'm studying the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Mm -hmm. And the whole difference there is that the Pharisee is Mm self-righteous. He thinks he can be right with God, which is crazy right if you think about right. it. right oh yeah do you think god is that small that mm-hmm. you could do anything to make him happy like mm-hmm. who would want to serve a god that's that small that's happy with you right and why would you want to go to heaven with you, you right you know your thoughts like <laughs> right. and so on the flip side though you well i guess continuing in that vein like he, so he also has contempt for everyone around him yeah. he hates his neighbor as himself right 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 and so if we fix the pride and the self-righteousness through seeing and worshiping mm. God rightly then we fix the contempt we have for others the hatred we have towards others yeah. because we've we've real we realize how much we've been forgiven yeah right we realize we're the tax collector beating our chest crying out for mercy right. i'm a sinner
1: which is a display of humility
0: right exactly so we just knocked out both commandments through this doctrine of lordship mm-hmm. by first seeing Christ rightly, right, absolutely. It all starts there.
1: As uh, in Doctor Scott's little booklet, Pride Versus Humility. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> one of the things that he says in there, I love this line: he "says if pride is the root of all evil, then humility is the root of all virtue." Dude,
0: you're stealing from my sermon, bro. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm to that same conclusion. I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. But hey, the word of God is the word of God, right?
0: But it's true because pride comes from Adam and Eve's decision in the garden and Christ's whole life was humility. Right. He started born to a virgin in a manger, mm-hmm. but he ended his life washing the feet of his disciples, one of which, well, two of which that we know of would betray him. Right. Right? Peter and John. Mm-hmm. John would betray him all the, all the way to death. Right. And then goes to the cross, like right. the the pinnacle of humility.
1: Right. Well, if you understand. So the
0: only thing that can over, right. not to mention before yeah, I go, go ahead, there, go pride is so powerful. Oh, yeah. Think about it. You have the God of the universe wanting to pour grace and mercy into your life. Mm-hmm. And yet you have the power to stop it with pride. That's how powerful right. pride is. The only thing that can overcome it mm-hmm. is humility. So the only thing greater than pride is humility. Yeah.
1: Well, not to go There's on, too, on virtues here. too long of a, a tangent, but look at the origin of sin, beginning with Lucifer, who was an archangel like a Michael or a Gabriel, wanted to dethrone God. That's what pride is. Mm-hmm. Wanted to be in the place of God. Right. Of course he can't. God casts him out. Well, what does he tempt Adam and Eve with? Same thing. You can be mm-hmm. like God, dethroning God. What is our desire in pride always take the place of God, dethrone God? That's We are of our father, the devil, as the Bible would say, right? Right. So we had to understand that that is the root of pride, right? Wanting to be like God, wanting to dethrone God. So therefore, Christ shows us the greatest example of humility. Paul writes about it in Philippians 2, starting in verse 6. We see Christ's um, example that answers that same question, the rebuttal to it, right? Speaking of Jesus, says, who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Mm-hmm. So here is the one who actually is God, right? but he doesn't count equality with God something to be Absolutely grasped. Completely opposite. Which is the pure humility. Right. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Mm-hmm. So that's our example. That's who our Lord is. And if, and if Christ is our Lord, Lordship means I'm conforming to him, means I become like him, which means this is what we should look like. Mm-hmm. Not someone who's trying to be like God or be the place of God, but would humble ourselves even to the point of a servant, right? And right before that section, Paul was giving that practicality to the, to the ones he was writing to in Philippians where he talks about he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Mm-hmm. That's what came right before he shows well, this is why, because here's what our Lord is like. Right. And so that's what Lordship looks like for a Christian. That's what our lives should emulate is, is how Christ, who was God. Right says, but it's not something he tried to grasp. Instead, he humbles himself. So how much more should we do the same? Yeah,
0: and that really gets to the heart of lordship, Mm -hmm. just this idea of seeing Christ rightly and taking yourself off the throne of your life. Mm -hmm. And first realizing that that's the the irresistible temptation for every man, woman, Mm -hmm. and child is Mm -hmm. to be the lord of your life. Right. Make your own decisions, not die to yourself. Think you got it figured out. And so to dethrone yourself and to put Christ on the throne is really the heart of it, right? Yeah. It's it's the essential mark of a true Christian that would say, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, in it, I'm just a sinner, mm-hmm. right? I need God's mercy, and I need him to direct me. And so I'm going to throw myself in his word and... Figure out how I can conform myself to right. this. Or rather, as Romans 12, two, be conformed. Right. Or be transformed, sorry, by the renewal of our mind. Right. Conform to the world. Mm-hmm. So. That's good. You got to get in the Word. I think that's probably like drinking from a fire hydrant. So. <laughs> well, we got five minutes. So give them practical application. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's a lot of practical application in there. Read the Word. Mm-hmm. but. What's a litmus test if you have made Christ
1: your Lord? Well, first it starts with the belief of your heart. Do you believe that God is superior to you? That his word, that what he says is right and just, and you don't question a holy God, but you submit to him because of who he says he is. Mm -hmm. So is that your attitude of your heart? Do you start with an attitude or do you wake up with an attitude of, man, I don't know anything other than what God tells me, I have nothing to offer other than the wisdom of the Lord. So mm-hmm. I'm, I need to cling to Him. Do you have a biblical prayer life? Meaning, like, do you do you pray desperately because you know that everything depends upon the Lord? Do you practice Hebrews four? It tells us to go boldly before the throne. Yeah, right. Because we have a great high priest who understands and for help in time of need. Right. Yeah. I think those are the big three. Like, it starts with the attitude of the heart, the belief of the heart. That we see God is superior, and we actually believe that, and are crushed by that, but are also motivated by it because mm-hmm. because He does save us and welcome us in as children. Right? right. Do we have that humble attitude that causes us then to seek Him, trust Him, pray to Him, live for Him? Proverbs one seven: The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools yeah. despise wisdom and insight. Are you a fool or are you wise? Because the only way to be wise is to begin with fearing the Lord. Yeah. That's it. I I have nothing to offer. I counsel every day. But what gives me courage to do so is I pray and ask for God's help. And I'm constantly trying to figure out how to point people to what the word says. Because that's where the wisdom is. Yeah. That's what's going to convict. That's what's going to turn their heart. I'm just, a am just a messenger and I've got to be skilled in how to bring forth the message and cut through the noise. Mm-hmm. But that's it. That's, that's the only skill I got. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean the, the secret power
0: lies in God's word, not yeah. the actual Bible and text itself, but the meaning behind it. Right. Like right. that's the power is what does this mean? And sometimes we got to, well, the word of God, you know, interpret it rightly. Yeah. Um, and I'll say just eat more on the line of uh, practical application is someone who's not uh, submitted to the Lordship of Christ. If you look at everything in your life and ascribe a meaning or a purpose of it is its primary purpose in your life to serve you mm-hmm. because if it's serving you, then you are the Lord, right? You are Lord of your life. If, even church can be just a means to serve some end that you have mm-hmm. you are sitting on the throne of your life right the opposite is same same items in your life whatever same mm-hmm. activities and categories if Christ is on the throne they will be serving some end of God. Mm -hmm. They'll be advancing the kingdom. They'll be advancing your own personal holiness. They'll be advancing someone else's walk. Mm -hmm. You can have the same things. You can still have fun and activities and and hobbies and working out and doing all this stuff you enjoy, reading, music, whatever it is. But are they serving you or are they serving Mm -hmm. the Lord and his glory? And that's just an easy way to see if he's on the throne or if you're still on the throne. That's right. That's good. Don't sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right. Well, hope it's helpful. Hope it's helpful. Later. Thank you for listening to the Change Up Podcast. This podcast is made possible by The Field Church in Mandeville, Mandeville. Louisiana. If you don't have a home church, please come check us out. We have service times at 845 and 1045 on Sundays, and you can find more information at thefieldnola.com. If you found this podcast to be helpful, please share it with a friend or family member and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other people just like you find us.